Greetings, golf fans. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Serlo, and uh, as always, delightfully happy to have you back here with uh, this week's episode. we got a heavy news day, so uh, without really wasting any more of your time, let's just jump right into the meat and potatoes of uh, this week's podcast. i got a couple things, a couple of European notes that I want to share with you guys this week. Uh, the main uh, crux of today's podcast is going to be uh, what is going to be going on this summer, uh, this July specifically at the Open Championship for uh, a golf tournament that may be contested in, <laughs> well, I guess on an island with a closed border that was part of the European Union but may not be uh, after March 29th. So we'll get into that in more detail here in just a little bit. But first, I want to run over a couple of items with you guys uh, that are a little bit uh, closer to home in terms of mileage. And let's go ahead and start with last weekend. The World Golf Championship down in Mexico saw Dustin Johnson run away, uh, beating Rory McIlroy by, I believe, like five shots uh, for second place and then pretty much crushing third place by, like, ten strokes. Uh, DJ was an absolute tactician, uh, just <laughs> a real a real swordsman down there. Uh, just incredible, incredible display of golf by Dustin Johnson. Uh, it really never seemed like it was close, and uh, obviously for Dustin Johnson and everybody involved in his camp, that is fantastic. Uh, for NBC and people that are depending on golf as a source of income as it relates to advertising and marketing, not so great. Um, one thing that I noted that was kind of interesting is that uh, NBC experienced a drop in ratings uh, from last year's World Golf Championship down in Mexico, even though they were anticipating the ratings getting what they call the Tiger Bump. You know, with Tiger Woods competing, you would expect the ratings to be far greater than they were last year. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say that because DJ was so dominant and the tournament was really never in question, uh, there wasn't really a reason for a lot of golf fans to have to tune in to see who was eventually going to be the victor. Um, certainly, you know, nerds like myself were watching all day Friday Saturday and Sunday anyway I uh, didn't watch much on Thursday but uh, you know just because there's really not much else to do I spent the weekend up in uh, Lake Tahoe where there's more snow than I may have ever seen before and was able to just barely escape there on Monday before the uh, the blizzard this week set in but you know stuck in this cabin with snow I I pretty much had nothing to do but drink whiskey uh, and watch golf and hang out with my friends so uh, that's what I did all weekend and it was really really fun to watch Dustin Johnson just absolutely put on a clinic. Uh, guy, uh, just, if he's going to continue to play like that, I don't know how he doesn't uh, win a handful of golf tournaments this year. I still am not sure I would pick Dustin to win the first major of the year at the Masters simply because I, I always tend to favor guys that can play a large variety of golf shots down at Augusta, but. Um, certainly yeah, I wouldn't prohibit Dustin Johnson from winning at Augusta. His golf swing appears to be so good. His mindset seems to be phenomenal to the point where he has got a great chance to win any golf tournament that he competes in. Um, this win down in Mexico marked his 20th career PGA tour or professional victory, um, uh, which almost assures him a place in the world golf hall of fame. There's very few people, uh, few golfers throughout history that have won 20 events. It puts, uh, Puts Dustin Johnson in some pretty elite company. Um, you know, the only thing that may, you know, I guess the only negative mark on his resume has nothing to do with his golf swing. It doesn't even have to do with him getting, you know, having to go to rehab for having a super killer coke addiction uh, a few years back. It, it's more so that 
despite how good he is, he's not the most exciting player to watch. There's not a lot of fist pumps. There's not a lot of what what appears to be joy <laughs> uh, coursing through his veins while he's out playing a great round of golf. He's just he's a very stoic, very matter of fact, business oriented golfer that just goes out, hits great golf shots, makes putts, and uh, and and wins golf tournaments. And so, um, not not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, DJ's inability to be relatable with a lot of golf fans, I think, is the only real negative mark on his resume at this point. Um, but I think it'd be crazy. Uh, to think that that is going to prohibit him from getting into the World Golf Hall of Fame. And, you know, when it's all said and done, the guy's, what, 32 years old. He's already got 20 career victories. I would not be surprised at all if by the time he hangs it up, he's got somewhere in the you know the 30 to 40 career victories, um, which, again, would put him as one of the, you know, the 15 greatest golfers of all time and uh, certainly would put him into the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, as it relates to Mexico... It was interesting and very nice to see one Rory McIlroy uh, win, or not win, <laughs> uh, win in the, I guess, in the aspect of he wasn't a complete piece of dog shit. Uh, Rory, it was very refreshing to see him hit the golf ball really well. Again, as I mentioned before, he had a lone second place finish, uh, almost five strokes clear of the rest of the field in third place, but five strokes behind Dustin Johnson. It was looking like he was going to have a prototypical Sunday meltdown, and then, uh, you know, as soon as it got pretty out of reach and he was, you know, five strokes back with the only nine holes to play, you know, once the pressure was off, he started to play unbelievable golf. I think he had made five birdies on the back nine on Sunday uh, to recover and post a really nice final round. Obviously, it didn't do much good because Dustin Johnson also decided to get hot on the back nine on Sunday, John uh, down in Chapultepec. Um, but again, it's just nice to see Rory hitting the golf ball well. Uh, I don't know if that is going to mean that we should expect him to be winning uh, on tour in 2019. Uh, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I love watching Rory McIlroy hit the golf ball. I love watching him play well, uh, but I'm going to hold my breath and wait to see if that's actually going to translate into success uh, in 2019 for Mr. McIlroy. Um, let's see, next item of business here, uh, one Steve Stricker, one of the finest strikers of the golf ball of our generation, has been named Ryder Cup captain for 2020. Uh, so congratulations to Steve Stricker. He has already named 2018 captain Jim Furyk as his very first vice captain. In his introductory press conference, he did get a little emotional, uh, which is good. You know, it's like the exact opposite of Dustin Johnson. Uh, many golfers can relate to him, uh, Stephen, that he doesn't have an over. You know, he never had an overpowering. Uh, advantage over the competition on the PGA Tour. The guy just knows how to play good, smart golf, and uh, I think he is going to make uh, a phenomenal Ryder Cup captain in 2020. I like the I already like the U.S.'s chances playing on their home soil, uh, and with a guy like Steve Stricker at the helm, I think they are going to be in very, very good hands. Um, all right, next time of business, it looks like uh, huh, everybody's favorite subject, the new rules of golf. Uh, I don't have a lot to share here, but the two governing bodies that oversee the rules of golf, which are the United States Golf Association, the USGA, and of course the Royal and Ancient Golf Association, uh, which is you know commonly referred to as the R&A, uh, so far, a couple months in, have slightly different takes on how they perceive uh, the new rules of golf have been implemented. Uh, the CEO of the USGA, Mike Davis, at a uh, press conference down in Texas earlier this week, uh, called the new rules changes a huge success so far. Yeah, a huge success, Say, uh, citing that um, 
the reason for putting these rules in was simplification of the understanding of golf and that he thinks these rules have accomplished that, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we're not the biggest Mike Davis fans on this podcast, nor do I believe most golfers are big Mike Davis fans, but he has seen the new rules changes as a huge success, whereas the head man of the Royal and Ancient, Mr. Martin Slumbers, uh, when he was asked about the implementation of the new rules, his quote was, uh, quote, it hasn't gone smoothly. <laughs> End quote. Um, which I think uh, is the more accurate of the two uh, uh, the two statements between the heads of the uh, governing bodies. Um, I don't think it's gone smoothly. I it I have yet to see and understand how this is going to simplify golf. I think you know it, it definitely has not sped up the pace of play, which I know was one of the main goals of these new rules of golf, especially on tour. Now the guys have the opportunity to leave the flag stick in or uh, take it out. The fact that we're going back and forth and it's putting in and out and everything like that, I, I, you know, I have not seen any increase in terms of speed of play. Um, I mean, we just did a podcast last week about JB Holmes and his brutal, brutal uh, slow play, and he was playing with Adam Scott, who seems to be preferring us to leave the flagstick in on every one of his putts, and so it's just, it's one of those things where I don't think it's gone smoothly so far. I think a lot of golf fans who pay attention to this crap um, are going to appreciate Martin Slumber's honesty uh and candidness and i think it's going to be just one more opportunity for a lot of golf fans to just uh uh hit the metaphorical pinata that is mike davis and just kind of rake him over the coals a little bit and be like dude you are just so wildly out of touch um <laughs> with what is going on in the world of golf so anyway we will see how it continues to happen 2019 is going to continue to be interesting as it pertains to watching how these new rules of golf are implemented and the effects that they have on the game so stay tuned for that and then uh, with those three items, I, I'm going to jump into international news. Before I jump into how Brexit is going to affect the 2019 Open Championship, uh, it was announced by the RNA that Royal Liverpool, Hoy Lake, is going to be hosting the 2022 Open Championship. The year prior, uh, in 2021, we will be, of course, hosting it at the Old Course of St. Andrews, and then it was announced that Hoy Lake will host the 2022 Championship. Uh, the last time the Open Championship was contested at Royal Liverpool was in 2014, where Rory McIlroy, uh, yeah, that same Rory McIlroy we were talking about earlier, back when he used to win majors, uh, Rory McIlroy went wire to wire at Royal Liverpool in 2014. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if returning there, if his golf swing is in good shape, uh, you know, th three years from now. Uh, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see if the... Uh, yeah, if, if Rory McIlroy, if, if he can set foot on a golf course that he feels comfortable, that he's won at before, uh, it'll be interesting. Before 2014, uh, Tiger won at Royal Liverpool. <laughs> Look at me. Can't even talk. I'm a goddamn podcast host. Uh, Tiger Woods won at Royal Liverpool in 2006. So the last two champions at Royal Liverpool have been Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. I think that bodes well for 2022 as uh, we should be seeing a, one of the world's top players uh, take home the Clarent Jug. Uh, so that'll be great. And then finally, the last item that I wanted to touch on with all of you on the podcast today was basically what is going to be going on in 2019 on the European Tour and more specifically for the Open Championship, which is uh, supposed to be contested at Royal Portrush. So it's going to be the very first time that Northern Ireland has hosted the Open Championship since 1951. It's just crazy, crazy that it's gone that long. And... Um, you know, as many of you know, uh, <laughs> the United Kingdom, 
uh, voted to leave the European Union in what is referred to as Brexit. Uh, you know, for the past uh, couple of decades, there, the United Kingdom as well as the rest of Europe has enjoyed a relationship uh, and a coalition that has allowed them to travel uh, seamlessly from country to country, engage in commerce uh, without you know, with limited restrictions and, and tariffs, uh, and basically has turned all of Western Europe into a single country in terms of its economy, um, but also has allowed each of those countries to keep its independence. Obviously, it's a lot more complicated than that. And I'm just giving you my my take from uh, my experience and my travels over there. Um, you know, when, when you land in the European Union, you're not getting stamps in your passport when you go from country to country. It's all one, you know, big, quote-unquote, happy family um, until the United Kingdom decided that they wanted to listen to some uh, blonde idiot uh, named Boris or whatever the hell his name is. Basically, they listened to a bunch of idiots and they pretty much did what the United States did when they elected Donald Trump, and that is they were convinced that they were better than everybody else, they didn't need the help of anybody else, and they voted to leave the European Union. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Now, <laughs> March 29th marks the date that the United Kingdom has is set to leave the European Union, and... As of right now, the acting prime minister, Theresa May, does not have a plan in place to allow the United Kingdom to smoothly transition into being an independent, sovereign nation uh, that exists alongside of the European Union. If a deal is not struck, it would essentially mean that the UK's relationship to the European Union would be no different than that of Canada or the United States, meaning that there would be hard borders between the United Kingdom and the rest of Europe, uh, people would have to go through customs uh, if they want to travel between the rest of Western Europe and the United Kingdom. The same would go for all goods that are going between them. They would all of a sudden be subject to all kinds of tariffs and uh, inspections and things like that that they don't have to go through right now. And from a golfing perspective, um, yeah, you know, there is one golf tournament every year that is contested in the United Kingdom uh, that many of us consider to be one of our favorite golf tournaments of the year, and that, of course, is the Open Championship. And uh, in a recent article by uh, Mr. Alistair Tate um, that was published on Golf Week here within, I believe, yesterday, uh, the title of the article is that the threat of a no-deal Brexit concerns royal and ancient chief golf leaders before the Open Championship. And you know, this, the threat of this no-deal could affect this year's Open at Royal Portrush um, in a number of ways. It is, it's terrifying. And uh, I'm going to give you a quote from Martin Slumbers, the chief uh, at the Royal and Ancient. Uh, quote, Like every business, and I think about the open as a business, we have a lack of certainty about the upcoming rules. The law which we are operating under post-March 29th, which of course is the date that uh, uh, the UK is scheduled to leave the European Union, uh, has caused us significant concern. In hindsight, would I be wanting to do Portrush in the year that we are potentially leaving the European Union without a deal? No. Uh, we as a management team have spent a lot of time looking at contingencies. End quote. Holy shit. That is crazy. The, the, the one of this, this golf tournament at this golf course that we have been so excited to watch. It's one of, you know, one of the finest Irish links in the world. You know, I shouldn't say it's one of the finest links course in the world. It's one of the jewels of Ireland, along with Royal County Down. I mean, this is this is supposed to be a incredible historic Open Championship this year. And now the guy who is the chief of the R&A just months before this tournament is supposed to be contested is saying, hey, knowing what you know now, would you have a tournament there? No. 
In fact, not only am I saying no, we're already looking at contingencies. And I have no idea what that means. I'm not sure if that means they could possibly, if this thing, if shit really hits the fan, are they going to consider moving this golf tournament to another location just a couple of months before? I I don't know. It's it's crazy to think about. And with so much, with so many unknowns regarding this Brexit thing, um, most of us golf fans and most of us people that just pay attention to the news and, and geopolitics and everything like that, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen when March 29th rolls around. Um, there have been talks that uh, some leaders in the United Kingdom support a referendum to go ahead and re-vote on Brexit, which would potentially make it so they wouldn't have to leave the European Union and they would continue to enjoy the relationship they've had as part of the European Union going forward. Um, I, I know that it wasn't this past weekend, but two weekends ago, if you guys... Uh, Watch John Oliver's show last week tonight on HBO. He did one of his 20-minute deep dives on the state of Brexit. And my God, everybody, it is an absolute shit show. I I mean, I, I keep a pretty, you know, I'm not going to say I keep a close eye that I'm, you know, I'm reading news on the Brexit situation every single day. But, you know, I keep a moderately close eye on this. And it just seems to be getting messier and messier by the day. And if this thing really does end up happening where they leave the European Union on March 29th without a deal in place, uh, not only will it jeopardize the economy and the citizens of the European Union and more specifically of the United Kingdom, this could have massive repercussions on not just the Open Championship, but how the European U- European Tour uh, conducts itself, um, you know, the way they handle tournaments in Britain as opposed to the rest of Europe. Um, it's just absolutely crazy. I don't think we can pay enough attention to this as it, it, it's just absolutely staggering how incompetent um the situation seems to be uh as john oliver and his things noted the easiest and the best solution for this is for the people in the united kingdom many of whom voted that they wanted to leave the united kingdom while after the vote realizing that it was a terrible mistake and they would take their vote back um you know hopefully that referendum gets put together and they're able to stay in the european union because i don't and i haven't read or heard from many highly intelligent British uh, folks that continue to justify why leaving the European Union would be a great uh, a great thing for the UK and for Britain. Um, it, it seems to be that most academics uh, have reached the consensus that leaving is a terrible idea and hopefully Britain uh, can get their shit together and uh, uh, wisen up and stay in the European Union. Sorry to get political, but it just uh, it, it just doesn't seem like it makes any sense <laughs> uh, for the UK to be leaving the European Union. And hopefully, if that happens, we can go and have a wonderful open championship at Royal Portrush, uh, which, again, is supposed to be one of the best links courses in the entire world. The first time that region of Ireland has hosted um, an open championship in nearly 70 years, uh, right in Rory McIlroy's backyard. It's, it's, it should be an amazing tournament, and I really, really hope that we get a chance to watch it. Um, if you want to learn more about this, I highly encourage you guys to go read Alistair Tate's um, article that he put up on Golf Week yesterday, uh, February 26th. It's a good read, and it'll kind of uh, get you dialed in and see what you can expect and hopefully uh, not expect um, as it pertains to the Open Championship this year. Um, with that, don't have anything else for you, folks. It's been a, a wonderful, tight, short episode today. I have a couple things I wanted to leave you with. Um in 2019, uh, myself and uh, my co, 
co-golfers at Pacific Coast Golf Guide, um, we are finally going to be putting together a couple of trips. Um, you know, I, I'm someone that loves to travel to go play golf. I've done it with my buddies at a numerous locations uh, several times a year for the past, you know, five or six years since I moved back from Korea in 2015. And you know what? I decided, you know what? It's time to open these trips up to people that enjoy the podcast and people that read Golf Guide magazine. So um, starting this year, uh, for fall and winter of this year, we have two events on the schedule already and i wouldn't even so much call them events but call them golf gatherings they're not um tournaments where guys are going to be competitive these are basically multi-day golf hangs where you can come join me uh, some of my buddies and uh, other golf guide uh, listeners and readers to just converge on a great place that offers tremendous golf be able to have drinks and food together in the evenings play golf together during the day make make some new friends and just have just a generally really really good time um, the first one that we're going to be hosting this year is going to be on October 10th, so Thursday through Saturday, um, and you can also stay through Sunday at Gamble Sands, all right? If you guys have not picked up a new copy of Pacific Coast Golf Guide magazine, Gamble Sands is our cover course. We have a small feature on Gamble Sands in there. Um, it is one of the West Coast's newest pure Lynx golf destinations. Um, now, some people would con- you know, contend that it's not a true Lynx course because it's not on the ocean, but... It has got every feature you could ever want out of a great Lynx course that isn't on... I mean, shit, Carnoustie's not located on the ocean, all right? Is that a pretty good Lynx course? I think so. Um, David McClay Kidd, uh, architect of the original course at Bannon Dunes and now uh, Mammoth Valley over at Sand Valley in the Midwest, um, designed an 18-hole championship course that is, uh, from every review that I've heard, has been absolutely phenomenal. Golf Week already has it inside with the top 20 resort courses in America, Um Shit, the golf course is already rated ahead of Harbortown, and that's considered to be one of Pete Dye's absolute masterpieces and is a current PGA Tour venue. I mean, the only courses uh, that are kind of currently ranked above Gamble Sands in terms of resort courses are like the courses at Bannon Dunes, (laughs) um, a couple of courses at Pebble Beach like Pebble and Spyglass. Uh, and then a couple of the courses at Whistling Straits. I mean, th- that is the kind of company that this place is in. It is one of, it is already, even though it's only a couple of years old, is already one of the preeminent uh, top golf resorts in the country, uh, it, certainly in terms of quality of golf. And they already have one 18-hole golf course designed by David McClay Kidd. They have a 50,000-square-foot uh, putting green slash putting course, um, which is very reminiscent of Punchbowl at Banner Dunes or... Uh, the Himalayas putting course at St. Andrews, uh, and they are already in the works. Uh, I don't, I'm not 100% positive if it's also with David McClay Kid, but uh, they are very much in the works and planning on expanding, building another 18-hole golf course and likely a par-3 course, which would really turn it into one of the most fantastic golf destinations. Uh, and that all being said, you have a chance to visit it uh, when this year, you know, while they have one course and the in the putting course before they build a second golf course it it would be like visiting bannon dunes in 2000 when they just had the one golf course it was small and intimate you got to you know know everybody that was working on property you got to know every inch of the golf course because there wasn't that much there it's just going to be a really really good time i am over the moon excited to be going and i cannot wait to invite all of you guys with us that is going to be taking place on october 10th all right um you could sign up on, we actually have everything registered through Eventbrite. Um, we are going to be launching our new Golf Guide website in the next 10 days. Uh, and when that happens, we're going to have an events link at the top of golfguide.net that you can click. It'll redirect you straight to our Eventbrite page where you can sign up for our Gamble Sands trip, which again is going to be happening Thursday, October 10th uh, through Saturday, October 
12th, and you will have the option to stay until Sunday the 13th uh, if you would like. And then uh, just two months after that, we're going to be going to my single favorite place on earth, none other than the aforementioned Bandon Dunes Golf Resort, Friday, December 13th through Tuesday, December 17th. You can join myself as well as other Top Golf Guide personalities uh, for four days of unbelievable world-class golf at none other than Bandon Dunes. You can sign up for there on that same Eventbrite page. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, when you visit the new Golf Guide website, just click that events link at the top, and that will redirect you to the place where you can sign up for both of those tournaments. going to be a really, really good time. If you have any questions about either of these events, you are more than welcome to contact me specifically, either on Twitter at Golf Guide Pacific, uh, Instagram, Golf Guide underscore Pacific, or you can also send me an email if you're that kind of person, and you can just send that one to info at golfguide.net. Um, really, really looking forward to these trips. I, I'm, I'm just so excited to meet new golfers and go out and play amazing golf, eat great food, drink a ton of cocktails, and just have a really, really good time. This is what golf is all about, and I'm really excited to be able to share it with as many of you as possible. Uh, space is limited. We've only got 24 spots for each of these trips, so if you are interested in joining us, I highly recommend you do so and sign up and register sooner rather than later and then lastly for the podcast if you like what we're doing here and you want to support us please leave us a review on itunes and subscribe if you haven't already that is uh it's a huge huge boost and it helps us out considerably so uh with that all being said thank you so much for listening everybody i really appreciate your time uh i will be back next week and until then adios amigos